overseas, people always want to know, where are you from? You know, where, where, you know, first they say, are you American? Or for me, they often say, are you Dutch? And I say, yes. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you have to have a home. And so Anchorage has, you know, basically always been our home. It's been our home our entire married life and... Uh, we I, we still have Alaska driver's licenses because you have to be from somewhere. So, uh, so we we tell them you know we we're we're from Anchorage, Alaska, and you know that can be like telling them you know you're from yeah some place in the middle of you know China, and they wouldn't recognize those names either. But um, we just usually say you know very very cold, <laughs> and they say cold okay. And then they want to know, how do you eat? <laughs> if it's so cold, how do you eat? Because, you know, some of those things just don't translate like that. But we've been there for 12 years, and we still consider Anchorage our home. And so, especially this church is our home, and we're, we're glad to be here. And uh, as often as we can get back here, it, it feels like home. Although, you know, over the years, Anchorage changes, and kids grow up, and, you know, and you... Things don't remain the same, and so uh, there are different changes. So we have a home in Anchorage, and um, to us it's home as well as far as where we live and where we stay and, and, and how we uh, you know, come and go. But uh, we are not citizens of Kenya. We are, we are residents, and we register as Residents, and uh, we're also required to register as aliens. And so, believe it or not, we, Sharon and I, are both registered certified aliens. And uh, we have proof. I have a, a picture of it here in a minute. But we're in that place by permission. We're in Kenya by permission. And, and they grant us a work permit to teach. And uh, with the idea of we are not taking the place of a Kenyan who could be doing that job. And so that is also BSF's view and, and what BSF is, is seeing as, our, as far as our ministry is that we are there to start BSF classes and then as soon as possible we will, we will turn that BSF class over to uh, national teaching leaders. And so of 17 Bible study fellowship classes in Nairobi now, uh, Sharon and I are the only expats or the only alien teachers <laughs> as, as far as, as that country. And, and it's a good thing. It is, God is doing a great thing in, in, with Bible Study Fellowship and in the people and, and city of Nairobi. Um, so let me see if this will work. Uh, just for proof, this is an expired one, but I do have a current one that I, I, in the Republic of Kenya, I am required to carry my alien certificate to prove that, that somehow I am, I am there uh, legally. Uh, there are several things in, in Kenya that, that uh, remind us that that is not also our home. Uh, you know, when, when you are an alien, you know, it, anybody seen, what's that movie we just saw? The what? Super 8, yeah. So we're not that kind of alien, if you've already seen Super 8. <laughs> but sometimes we feel that way. Um, and there are certain, certain things that make us feel that we are not at home, that we are aliens. And, and one is the language, and, and the other is the culture. Uh, for instance, in, in Kenya, we are white people. 
uh, we, are the, we are the different ones, <laughs> and we are called Wazungus, uh, which is, you know, literally translated just means it's that thing that keeps coming around and showing up again and again and again. And so when, when um, white settlers and, and white people first went to Kenya, they thought it was the same person showing up again and again and again. So it kind of uh, became the kind of the non-translatable word for white people is wazungus. And, and it's very often you'll be driving or going through parts of town where there's a lot of children and they're all stopping and staring at you and go, you know, wazungu, wazungu. Um, like, you know, we are aliens because we definitely are in some parts of town. Uh, but they're, you know, apart from the Kiswahili language, which is one of the national languages, English is also a national language in Kenya, and all of the education in the schools is done in English, and as well as, you know, they do have Kiswahili classes as well. But we have found that the English there is, is as alien to us as, you know, as in, in some aspects as, as it is to them, and them trying to learn English. So, uh, for instance, you know, when we hear the word football in Kenya, we are not thinking of the same football that you are thinking of here in America. Uh, football in Kenya is strictly soccer, and uh, they they don't make much sense. And you know, except for maybe on cable TV, you won't see a, a American football game except maybe the the World Cup on ESPN or something like that. But as we drive cars, we we need to remember that we need if we if we're planning to drive, we need to get in on the right side of the car because our steering wheels are just opposite of how they are here in the U.S. And then we have to remember we should be driving down the left side of the road, not the right side. So it, sometimes the transition makes you stop and think, now where am I? Which side of the road should I get on? But our cars, uh, we've done away with uh, the trunk and the hood. We have the bonnet and the boot. And so we're, we're having to, to hear different things in different lights in the way that the words are used. Very, very British um, influence. And so if we're teaching in school or we're, we're doing leaders' meetings, we don't erase the board, we rub the board, and we don't use an eraser, we use a duster. And so you need to, to, to do those things as well that, as far as you're thinking. Uh, where we live sounds very wonderful. We live in an estate. Where do you live in town? What, what estate do you live in? Well, uh, estate takes on a little bit different meaning. It's the same idea as what we would call a neighborhood or a, a section of town. So, but we, we live in estates instead of just neighborhoods. So, uh, but even the picture that Sharon showed of that kind of very rough area of town would, would have an estate name. So. Then there's also, you know, different expressions that maybe even are being spoken in English but take on a specific meaning for, for where you live. Uh, you know, so when we, uh, when we say the word schedule, then we almost always have to change to schedule. <laughs> and um, if Sharon is telling somebody her name on the phone or in person and she says, my name is Sharon, they'll go, what? What? Sharon. And when she changes and says, my name is Sharon, they say, oh, Sharon. And they have the same meaning, but because of the way we pronounce it and the way they pronounce words, we, we often have to make adjustments just because we are in an alien culture, in an alien place as well. 
but some of the more challenging things is, you know, somewhat cultural. And so you have to learn, even if you are in a hurry, to never act as if you are in a hurry. Because that seems to be the trigger to make things go slower instead of faster. So especially if you are trying to get business done in a, in a government office or, you know, pay a bill or something like that, you just act like you've got three days to get this done. And if it takes three days standing in line, that, that's fine with you. Uh, when you say good morning and people respond instead of saying good morning, they respond with fine. So I would say good morning and you would say fine. And it doesn't fit, but in the Kenyan culture, in the Kenyan way, of, it, it fits perfectly because they are actually translating English or Kiswahili into English back into Kiswahili back into English. And so their response is a Kiswahili response coming back to you in English. So it doesn't make sense. And so you just realize you are an alien (laughs) and you are in a culture. But as far as uh, BSF is concerned, um, there are a couple things that are very culturally hard to adjust to. And one is... You're never late if you show up before the meeting is dismissed. And so people might come in for a meeting and they're only five minutes left before the end of the meeting, but, you know, I'm here. Can't you see that I made an effort to get here? And this can happen at weddings, it can happen at funerals, it can happen at church services, uh, everywhere. You will see even BSF classes, although we work on it a little bit, that people are coming and they think that they have come because they have shown up. And, and there may be many, many legitimate reasons why they, they didn't get on time. Another thing that we adjust to is, and, and it has to happen a lot, is that um, culturally, a lie is not a lie if you're telling the person something that you think they want to hear. So if it's like, I'm very near... You know, you're waiting for this person to show up for a meeting and you call them and they'll say, I'm very, very near, which can mean, you know, I haven't even left the house yet or I'm across town but I'm on my way. And, you know, so we have to kind of figure out culturally, well, just how near are you? Where is your near compared to my near? And, you know, so we, we sometimes, you find yourself waiting more than hours for this person because you thought they were on their way and they are near. And it, it works that other way. You know, even in BSF, they will say, they will tell us a lie <laughs> about their attendance or about you know, whether they showed up or not or whether they were in class or not or whether they were registered or somewhere else because they think that that's what we want to know just so that we can get them into our class. So there, there's a lot of cultural adjustments that you make in your mind as well as on your tongue, and then also different things like how you eat and what you eat and, and those things as well. Uh, if, you know, you probably can remember, or maybe this is, you know, you're fairly new to Anchorage Grace or you're new to Anchorage, and you, um, you know, you can remember that feeling of not being quite at home, not being comfortable. Am I going to like these people? Do you know, I really want to go to this church? Or, or those kinds of things. So all of that is a sense of, of being an alien. And it's, it really is an intended feeling that we should use because God created us as 
uh, well, when he created Adam and Eve, he created the perfect environment. But because of sin, the environment has changed and the relationship with God has changed. And so we are either now aliens to God or we are going to be aliens to even the place where we grew up and and families and and how we live. So uh, this morning we're just going to look a little bit about what it means to be an alien, what it means to be a citizen either of heaven or of the world, and what kind of impact or uh, thoughts that, that we can consider as we, we live our lives here as well. Um, BSF also stands for um, Bible Study Fellowship, but it also stands for Be Super Flexible. So we had spent a good amount of time trying to get this thing ready, and then all of a sudden it didn't work this morning. So um, I was going to show a lot of verses because we're jumping around, but you're just going to have to be patient. A few verses, and then you'll just have to listen to me as well. So it, it didn't quite work out exactly as I wanted to, but that's all right. Technology is alien to most of us, I think, <laughs> unless you're not like seven or eight years old. <laughs> all right. Um, this verse, Ephesians 2.19, says, You are no longer... Is that right? You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God, people and members of God's household. God implies that we, we at one point were foreigners. We at one point were aliens and not part of his citizenship or part of God's people. And so... Uh, if we have the perspective of we are either, we're going to be alien somewhere. We're going to be citizens somewhere, but we're also going to have to live as aliens somewhere. And for us, it just happens to be in Nairobi, but it also has to be true whether you live in Anchorage or Alaska or or some other place. Um, You are needing to consider yourself to be alien to some aspect of your life. Because um, there's no one who is going to be absolutely, uh, perfectly at, at home, uh, no matter where they live. Because God has created an alienship idea. Uh, if we are in the world, if we are not saved, we will feel perfectly comfortable there. But we will not feel comfortable when we are confronted with God's word with the truth about who God is and what the truth about us is as we see it in God's word. And so we're, we're, everyone is going to be in somewhat of a flux as well. So he, Paul uh, talks about it in this way. He said, many of us, and this is from uh, Galatians 5.4, he says, many of you were trying to be justified by the law. And because of that, you have been alienated from Christ. That's in Galatians 5.4. And so many people live today trying to fulfill God's law, to keep the Ten Commandments, live by the golden rule, and somehow think that they are working towards reconciliation with God. But Paul uh, clearly says that if that's the way we are trying to live and think that that's how we are going to have this comfortable relationship with God, we are still living as alienated from him because that is not the way that he designed it. 
Um, in, in Colossians 1.21, he says, You were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. Many people choose to be alienated from God because they want nothing to do with God's standards or God's laws or God's uh, desires or will for their lives. So they choose to live as alien, aliens, alienated from God, and they are actually enemies from God. But God wants us to move from that position into, into a position with him. And so that's when this, this verse, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Yeah, I, that's, that's the end of it, I think. <laughs> from, Peter had the same perspective, and he, he tells us from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. He says, he's writing, Dear friends, I urge you, And he uses this word, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans or amongst those aliens that they see your good deeds and will glorify God in the day that he visits us. So Peter and and Paul want us to recognize that there has been a change in citizenship. There has been a change in in, in who we relate to and how we relate to those people. Uh, and so we were alienated from God, and now Peter says we should see those people as aliens that we formerly were running around with or, or were part of. And so they are aliens and strangers to us. And so Paul again wrote in Philippians 3, he says, Your citizenship now is in heaven. And we should eagerly be waiting and anticipating the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who comes from there. And he will, at that point, when he comes, transform our bodies so that we're no longer aliens. And we'll be translated to live in heaven in a glorified body and we'll be perfectly and uh, forever at home when, once we reach heaven. So um, our citizenship has been heavens, is in heaven. Uh, when we are a citizen of a country, we have to make adjustments for the laws and the rules of that country. And it's equally true for us in Nairobi as well as when we come back to America. Uh, we learned it the hard way. I think it was last year, maybe a year ago. Um, in Kenya, there are stop signs and there are stop lights. But you do not stop at a stop sign or a stoplight unless there is a policeman telling you to stop at that stop sign. And if the light is green, you may have to stop. If the light is red, you may just go. And woe to you if the person behind you thought you should have gone. <laughs> and so when you come back to America, you know, there's none of those rolling California stops. <laughs> and you better make sure you stop at a stoplight, especially in, I don't know if they have them here in Anchorage. You have those photo things. They'll get you. I know they will. <laughs> but you can claim you are an alien. So <laughs> but anyway, so there are, there, there's a, as a Christian, you're going to have to be constantly adjusting to your culture based on your citizenship. And so we should be adjusting our, the way we behave and the way we live based on our citizenship in heaven, not based on our you know, presence here on, on the earth. Uh, Paul was both a Jew, and he highly uh, prized his his heritage and his his nationality, and uh, he also was a Roman citizen. 
which was a, a great advantage to him at times. But when he was writing the book of Colossians and the book of Philippians, he was in jail because of the opposition of the Jewish leaders and because, you know, the, the Romans were, didn't know what to do with him as well. And he was also disrupting, you know, when he went to different places to start churches and preach the gospel, he disrupted a lot of, uh, of the Roman culture as well. So he found himself, uh, you know, from the beginning, he was, you know, very alien to the culture and the, and the citizenship in heaven. But when he got saved, he made a complete transfer and it affected the way that he lived and the choices that he made and even the way that the world treated him. And so there, there is a lot to, to be considered there. Uh, Peter said, in, again in First Peter, uh, he said, Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. So not only do we need to consider just our citizenship, but we have to consider, you know, who is the ruler of our country? Who is the king of the, our kingdom? And so since our Father and Jesus Christ are the rulers and sovereigns of the kingdom of heaven, which where we now belong, then we have to live by his rules. That's basically what, what he says. It's expected that we will be good citizens and not bad citizens. And so we, we, we need to do that. Uh, how do you get your citizenship into the kingdom of God? Well, uh, Jesus tells us in, by the way that he talked to Nicodemus, uh, one of the Pharisees, one of the leaders of the Jews in, in John chapter 3. He says, I tell you the truth. And when Jesus tells us the truth, I think we pretty much know that that's going to be the truth, whether you know man wants to adjust it or not. Uh, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God. No one will be a citizen of the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And so you probably, people who have grown up in Sunday school, you know John 3.16, you know John 14.6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, it, Peter preached in Acts, you know, there's no other name given among heaven whereby men must be saved. It's, it's only Jesus Christ. So through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, we become a citizen of heaven. Uh, there are lots of ways that the world will tell you you can become a citizen of heaven, but we need to be specific in knowing that it is, since it's God's kingdom, it's specific in how we get there, and it's only through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, in Colossians, Paul wrote, Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We're qualified by God, we're rescued by God, we're brought into the kingdom by God, and uh, we're forgiven of our sins by God. And so that is how we have become citizens of heaven. It is a work of God. It's a miracle that God works in our lives. He allows us uh, to recognize that we're never going to be satisfied with the life that we have in wherever we live. Uh, it's, it's, there's something missing. And so it's through this new birth, it's, it's through this new life, and it's being brought into the kingdom by God. So we have transferred our citizenship from this world into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. 
And so he has, he has done that for us, and it's nothing that we have done. The law-keeping alienated us and even probably kept many of us at times from actually be moving into the kingdom of heaven and being saved because we thought that we were able to do it on our own. But uh, Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ and excluded from citizenship. And he's talking about to Jews and, and to others, but uh, we were excluded from, from uh, citizenship in heaven as well. And we were foreigners to the covenants and to the promises of God. And we were without hope and without God, uh, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you, have, you once who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And that's not the Kenyan I'm very near. <laughs> That's as near as we can be to, to having, you know, we are now in God's family, and he is always with us. And so he tells us then, by, so it's by grace we've been saved through faith, and it is not anything of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. And so we have moved from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And so now we have left that citizenship and, and joined a new one. So what do we do as a citizen of heaven? What, what kind of, if someone was to, to describe a citizen of the world or the, the citizen of heaven, you should, or describe you, you sh- they should be able to tell, you know, whether you're a citizen or not. Uh, so Paul does that for us. Uh, it's not like if you've ever traveled overseas and you find yourself having to go through U.S. customs or customs overseas. There's usually different lines. One says U.S. citizens or citizens of Kenya, or, or what, and then there are, there are citizens of East. You know, if you're doing it in Kenya, there are Kenyan citizens, and we're not Kenyan citizens. So then there are East African citizens, which are Uganda, Tanzania, and Kenya, and we are not. So we don't hold a Ugandan passport or a Tanzanian passport. So we are in the other passports. And so uh, we have to determine, you know, then do we have a visa? Do we need a visa? Do we have to buy a visa? Does this country require a visa? Uh, and so there, there's all different aspects of when, when you travel. Well, the only visa that God requires is are you a citizen? Have you been saved? And are you... Does God see you as righteous under the blood of Jesus Christ? That's our passport into heaven, is, is what we believe about Christ. And so the descriptions now of those citizens should tell us, you know, whether we're in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, or, or not. So uh, first, Paul has lots of different lists in Ephesians and Colossians and, and Philippians, uh, different ones that tell us uh, what a citizen of the world looks like that we as citizens of heaven should not look like. He says, many of you live as enemies of the cross. So if you are against Christ, then, you know, you're probably not a citizen of heaven. Uh, Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and they glory in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. And so, you know, in this description, Paul tells us, to be a citizen of the world, this is what, you know... what you desire, what, you appetite, what your appetites are as far as not just food, but the things that you want out of life are going to pretty much determine whether you are acting like a citizen 
and that's how the people of this world act. You know, they, it's what, what is next? What will I receive next? What will I get next? You know, do I go to school? Do I, you know, do something to get a better job? Those kinds of things. So their God is their stomach. Uh, they are controlled by what they desire and that what drives them. And their mind is on earthly things, uh, the things that will make them comfortable as a citizen of the world. And so... Galatians uh, 3 and uh, Colossians 3 and Galatians 5 and Ephesians 4 and 5 give us, you know, more descriptions of what citizenship in the world looks like. And I'm sure you will recognize it from your TV and from your newspapers. Uh, There's immorality, there's impurity, there's lust, evil, evil desires, greed, anger, slander, filthy language, rage, malice, sensual indulgence, craftiness, deceit. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's different lists and different things that describe those citizens of the world, and, you know, it can pretty much be described as those things are at odds to what a citizen of heaven should look like. So Kenya has a, has a reputation to being a almost completely evangelized nation. Uh, different numbers exist, but people would say... Kenya has 80% is 80% Christian, and that would leave 20% for others like Hinduism and Muslims and you know some still uh, tribal religions and things like that. But on a daily basis, Kenya struggles like America struggles, like Anchorage and Alaska struggle with all of these things that you know would never come under the category of being Christian. Uh, right now, there are six of our leaders in Kenya. I hope not six here in Kenya. I mean in Anchorage. But six of the prominent political and, and leadership of the country are now before the International Criminal Court for Crimes Against Humanity, which means they condoned or planned the murder of thousands of Kenyans for political gain, just to win an election and to, you know, to make sure that they stayed in power. And so people are, you know, how can we call ourselves a Christian nation and have these people go to church every week and sit in churches with us, and yet here we are being taken to the International Criminal Court. Um, Kenya is pretty much in the last at least 12 years we've been there, always in the top 10 of most corrupt nations in the world. And, um, you know, they have, they even label it themselves. They say, in our country, we have a culture of impunity, which means if you have enough money, if you are high enough up in the structure politically or, or somewhere in the government, that you can pretty much take what you want, get what you want, and even if it's shown that it's wrong, it'll just go away and you will, you know, there's not any necessarily, there's no penalty for that. So the Kenyans perceive this problem and they ask that question all the time. And so how, how it is explained away, I was just reviewing some, some, some articles by, um, that came out at Easter in, the, in one of the Kenyan newspapers and they were asking the church leaders uh, of those different groups, you know, what words do you have to encourage, you know, K- 
Kenyans in, in these terrible times. Well, you know, there's nothing about, you know, what God says. It's was, just hang in there. Things are going to get better. You know, and the new aid wagon will come in soon from somewhere and something, something will help. And so there, even in the religious environment, the Christian environment of the nation, there's no sense of we need to see what God says about it. It's more of, you know, what can we do best about fixing it ourselves? Well, the positive side is if you want to know if you're part of the kingdom of heaven, it's best to also look in the Bible for that too. So join with others in following my example, Paul wrote to the Philippians. And he says, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we give you. And so the pattern he, he tells us a little bit later in Philippians is to live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. That wasn't later in Philippians, that was over in Colossians. And then Peter writes it, puts it this way, he says, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children as, or as obedient citizens, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance or when you lived as a citizen of the world. Just as he who called you to be holy is holy, so be holy in all you do. And since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. So the key to you know, living a, a life that is worthy of, the, of your citizenship is not necessarily you know, ticking off the things. You know, I put in my offering, I went to church on Sunday... You know, I didn't kick the dog, and those kinds of things. It's, it's, it's putting, knowing God, knowing Christ, getting to know him, so that, you know, this is what Paul does. Is he says, may this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So it is possible, we, as a citizen of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven, that we should have the mind of Christ, and that should control the things that we do and what we say. And that way we'll be able to recognize uh, our citizenship, whether we're behaving uncitizenly <laughs> or we are behaving as God intended us to do. Um, you know, almost anywhere you go in, in Paul's writings, you'll find Paul, this is Paul's desire, is for us to, to know what it is to be a Christian and to live that way. Uh, in Romans 12, he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Um, you know, and yet we're constantly said, you know, our whole well-being in our life is based on our self-esteem. And now Paul is saying, you know, self-esteem is, is part of everybody's life, but it has to have an aspect of whether or not you're thinking about what God thinks about you or you're thinking about trying to make yourself fit into what the world, what you want to appear to the world. And so don't conform to the pattern of this world, he says, uh, and those patterns are everywhere. Uh, you know, me first, take revenge, get even, and, and that's the pattern of the world, repay evil for evil. And then on the positive side, he says, well, you should be, as an alien, you should be a proactive alien. So you need to offer yourself to God. You need to transform your thinking by the renewing of your mind. And the only way that you renew your mind is by knowing the mind of Christ. 
And we only know the mind of Christ is by seeing what Christ has to tell us, what Christ has to teach us, and what the apostles are teaching us as well. That's why Paul said, follow my example. I'm teaching you. I've got good men teaching you. And so hopefully the good men that are teaching us in our churches are the ones that we can follow as well. The more familiar we come, become with the character of God, the more we're going to know how he wants us to live and how we should behave. And it'll affect our speech. And, 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 and it's, it's like citizenship. You know, you become a citizen, but you have to live as a citizen. And so, you know, becoming a Christian is only the very beginning. And going to church once a week is a good beginning. But if, if that's the only time, you know, that we apply or look for the ways that we are supposed to live from God's word, we're going to be struggling with the influences and the pull of, the, of the being a citizen in the world and, and being a citizen with Christ. So, um, you know, Jesus simplifies it too for us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That was his kingdom. And that's what he would desire for us to do. Uh, when he tells us to pray, what does he say? Ask the Father and pray, thy kingdom come, your kingdom come. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are representatives of God, of his kingdom, while we are here on earth. And people are not going to know what that kingdom looks like if we aren't living as children of that kingdom. So just kind of summarize, if we are a citizen, and we are, we're either a citizen of heaven or we're a citizen of the world. And so there's no, you know, sitting on the, on the fence with that. God either sees us as alienated from him or part of his family. And so there's, there's only, there's citizenship and there's no dual citizenship. And citizenship means that we live under the authority of the one of who we are a citizen of or where we are a citizen of. And so God is our authority. Uh, Christ and his teachers are the ones we should submit to as authority because they are the ones who are going to help us look like and belong like we belong to, to the, the kingdom of heaven. And then living here while part of a while a member while a citizen of another country means that while we live here almost everything we deal with on a daily basis is going to be somehow countercultural to what god would have us so if we are a citizen of heaven lots of things on a daily basis at work at school in the home on tv wherever it is they're going to be presenting a countercultural view of what citizenship looks like. And so those are things we need to, to keep in mind. No matter where we live, uh, as a Christian, Kenya, Anchorage, or anywhere else, um, the struggle is, citizenship is lifelong. And so the struggle representing the king is going to be lifelong. And it's not going to be something that we just happens to us and then it's particularly easy. So um, we, we want to live, I hope, to please God, to represent 
his kingdom. And that's what we desire in Kenya. Uh, we, 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 as we teach and as we live there, you know, there's, there's not a, mo- a day then I don't have to drive on the road that I know <laughs> I am fighting the culture. Um, you know, it, it's, it, there's no way to describe the traffic unless you've been there. And so, and what people do in traffic. And, you know, for many of you, I think you probably know, people driving on the road is one of the biggest, fastest triggers for you to move from the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of this world. <laughs> and so, uh, and, you know, just dealing with those kinds of things. So it can happen in Kenya, it can happen here, but, you know, God has provided, you know, that citizenship for us. He's provided the power for us to live through the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's not going to be automatic, and that's what BSF is all about. Um, I hope you have an opportunity maybe someday to, to attend a BSF class here. But it's about getting God's word into your mind and into your heart so that you do recognize where your citizenship is and how to live to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, what a gift it is that you have given it to us, that you have given us citizenship uh, because we have not deserved any of what you have given us. And so we just pray that uh, you would help us to focus on the truths that would make us a better citizen in representing you so that you might receive the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.